Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It is Monday. Oh, that's not Monday. Jesus. It's Thursday, <laughs> May 9th, 2019. It's that kind of week, brother. It is that kind of week. And this is the MMA Beat. Sorry, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm from MMAfighting.com as well as SiriusXM. You know the gentleman to my left, Danny Segura from MMA Fighting. And then Iceman himself, Chuck Mindenhall, the man in the hat from The Ringer as well as MMA Fighting. If you've noticed, I look and sound dumber than normal because I had my stupid face operated on about two days ago. And uh, I can't breathe very well. Hopefully, I don't start bleeding on air. I didn't bleed too bad this morning, but um, it's been a bit of a rough run here. Yeah, it's, I think it's awesome that you showed up, man, it, under these conditions. Yeah, I didn't yeah. want to, if, yeah. I could be can- <laughs> if I could be candid. But sometimes in life, when you're an adult, you got to do things you don't want to do. But uh, here we are. Here are things that I do want to do. I want to watch UFC 237, which is going to be Saturday. So let's start there, gentlemen. I will start with you, Danny. UFC 237 It's going to be in Brazil. Uh, it's going to be headlined by Rose Namajunas taking on Jessica Andrade. First time that a strawweight title fight has headlined a UFC card. But here's the funny part about it. Rose Namajunas beat twice. I would say convincingly twice, although one was short, one was long. Right. Up to that point, the consensus best strawweight we've never really seen. And yet, heading into this contest, she's the underdog. She's the underdog against a woman that that said greatest strawweight we've ever seen beat in <laughs> Dallas. Why is Rose the underdog, and what do you make of that? Well, we know in MMA, styles make fights, right? So just just out of MMA math, just because you beat somebody, that doesn't mean you can beat the person that person beat, right? So I think I think there's a few things to consider here. One, she's going into enemy territory, which is something that we don't really see with champions. You know, champions usually defend their belt in the territory. So which says and, something by itself, by the way. Yeah, of course. In Brazil, we know that this is this is not just like fighting in the UK or anywhere else. Brazil is specifically yeah. a hard place to fight in. You know, the food's different, right? Uh, the ho- uh, hotels sometimes don't have saunas, sometimes don't have, like, the adequate equipment to cut the weight. Um, you know, the crowd itself can be very hostile as well. Plus, I think, you know, there is something interesting about the style, and I think Rose Namajunas on Monday when, on, on the MAR, she said when you asked her, you know, what opponent can you compare her to, uh, Jessica Andrade? And she didn't really have anybody to compare her to. She said uh, she's a pretty unique challenger, so she is seeing a new look. Um, I still wouldn't label her as an underdog, uh, but, you know, if that's what the betting lines have her as, you know, that's, that's, that's what they have her as. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? Because I think the Yanjechik series should have boosted her stock, but I guess maybe it's just one of those situations when you break it up into, you know, how do gamblers bet anyway? It's all based on some kind of perception. Maybe people feel like she just had Joanna's uh, number, which is a big number to have, but maybe that, you know, they want to see more out of her. If you look at it too... That first title fight against Esparza, you mm-hmm. know, the, the way she was worked in that fight, I think that somehow lingers. It's always the first um, the first uh, thing that somebody processes when they watch somebody, and I think that just kind of lingers over her career. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I really think that going to Brazil is a big factor in something like that, but I think it's also a kudos to her for just being so strangely unorthodox and in her own head to just do these types of things. I don't know if the UFC incentivized or how they incentivized her to go fight in Brazil and basically give Andrade the emotional boost like that. But yeah. it speaks to kind of Rose Namajunas' mindset of how she doesn't want things necessarily catered to her. She's been very different in how she handles her career. Um, she uses the spotlight well, but she doesn't seek it out. Just her, the way she yeah. operates is just a very different, uh, different mindset. And this is just one more chapter for her. But I think the betting public, just the way Vegas works, I think that they probably... It's a perception thing, and right now Andrade probably seems like she has more more things in her favor. You know, if I look at the story of Andrade here, 
it's pretty straightforward. She's been a contender who, you know, she changed weight classes. She had a couple of setbacks herself against Jin Jacek, but has since then just been on an absolute unbelievable run. The consensus clear challenger for this title. Now, maybe that will change with some other ones coming up the food chain, but right now she deserves it. But for me, and when I look at Rose, and I try to think like what the story of this fight is, Chuck, mm-hmm. it seems to me like this is not about popular gain, not, not this time around. This is about, as we noted, going to enemy territory, yep. taking on people, uh, excuse me, taking on a contender people think has a pretty decent chance of beating her. This is a, a uh, an opportunity for validation. Right. When you think about what this could do for her career, do you share that sentiment of mine? Yeah, I think that, are you talking about Rose? Are yes, you talking about, yes. So, like, what does she benefit yes, from here? I think that she benefits, if she's able to go in there and basically duplicate what she's done in her last three fights, um, and those two against you and Jacek, I think that that puts her on a different a different level. I don't think you'd see her as an underdog regardless of the situation in her next fight, if that's the case. But um, I think it goes a long way. I think that it's just one of those things. She's two and one in title fights. Mm-hmm. There's just there's still just enough of a, um, a, a, a suspicion that maybe we're not seeing everything yet. I mm-hmm. think that that lingers out there. So I think that this fight, especially going against the momentum that you just mentioned, because uh, Andrade has been just a buzzsaw, and I think that that goes into it too, the way she's beating opponents and then to have to go face her out there. It's it, not, not to compare, uh, you know, the... Um, you know, the therapeutic uh, use exemption that Vitor Belfort, but all those guys that went to Brazil back in 2013 and just got waxed, it almost has a feel of that. Like these, you're being kind of fed the stake under the door situation where you're like, hey, show up and face Andros, just lock it up and everybody <laughs> put the sheet on and catch the blood type thing. But uh, it's it, it has that feel to it. But I have to admit, that's what makes it kind of romantically fun is to see Rose have to go against the odds in that sense. Yeah. I think, to your point, uh, this is about validation. Because if you think of the strawweight right now, really the most successful strawweight right now is Yana Jacek, just out of title defenses, right, and what she's done. Yes, Rose Namajunas is the champion, but, you know, defeating uh, Jacek back-to-back, you know, it's the same type of opponent, right? We know that she also trained with Valentina Shevchenko, which has beaten Yana Jacek as well. So right now we know that she can beat you know, Jan Jacek, but we don't know if she could be the strawweight queen, right? I think if she gets past mm-hmm. Jessica Andraj, all of a sudden she starts getting into that conversation with Jan Jacek where, okay, maybe she can be one of the most successful strawweights as well. And do we, real quickly, do we think we, that the UFC is comfortable putting this fight in Brazil in part because, one, they, they want to go to Brazil, but two, getting back to the lingering yeah. suspicion you're talking about, it's like, okay, if she can prove this, then we'll start right. putting her on bigger cards yeah, stateside. Yeah. Yes, I agree. And I think that, like, what you mentioned before, just her being the first strawweight um, you know, champion to be on, you know, the main event. I think that that speaks to where they're at on that, too. I think that the potential is still there. When you look back to the original impressions we had of Rose Namajunas, she was being compared to Ronda Rousey at the time, who was yeah. um, doing all this stuff in the UFC. She was on tough, right? And so she's coming up, and I think there was, like, this expectation she would do it. I don't know if we ever fully saw it. It was almost like her losses kind of stood out more than her wins, even though her wins have been completely impressive. So uh, this this one, I think, is it's... It speaks to her star power, what they want her to be, but it also speaks to the opportunity they want her to seize, I think, to go in there and do that. And what about Andrade? Are we missing something here, part of the story? She has, I've been watching the embeddeds. I've been doing my research on this one. I saw the countdowns. Obviously, been following her career for some time. She's an interesting character, but I don't know that we know, at least on the American state side of things, a whole lot about her. Yeah. What part of the narrative am I, am I missing here? I don't, I don't know. I mean, honestly, like, that's where it's confusing, right? Because we, I think I know Rose Namajunas more so than I knew Andrade mm-hmm. going into the fight. Um, I, I really don't know. I feel like everything we've seen about Andrade is what makes her dangerous, but I don't yeah. feel like I'm missing anything about her. I just feel like she seems like she's got a head of steam, really. That's yeah. really what it seems like to me. Yeah, she, she's she's super legit. I mean, her skills... I mean, she stands out from any other strawweight because strawweight's usually 115. You know, that's, that's pretty low in weight. Uh, but for some reason, she yeah. feels like she's, she you know, like a heavyweight. Warrior, yeah, you know? she's like just, she was, uh, She's just very strong. Um, and I think story-wise, like, you know, she doesn't speak English. So um, at least stateside yeah. here, you know, the UFC has always had a tough time marketing those kind of fighters. Like, look at Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo is who he is based out of his crazy win streak and, yeah. and, and, and what he achieved in the sport. But from a story side of things, I mean, we never really got that side, uh, you know, from the UFC. All right, so let's talk about um, the co-main event here. I want to move through more topics today if we can. In the co-main event, you've got Anderson Silva taking on Jared Cannonier. <laughs> That's right. Danny, how, on a scale of <laughs> zero to one, how pumped are you? Um, I would say like 
three, like say like four. Okay, let me ask you this. Let's start this way. Yeah. What is the UFC doing with with Anderson Silva? I have no why, idea. Why are they booking him this way? I have no clue. This is this is extremely bizarre. I mean, Anderson Silva at this point, at this point, Anderson Silva can do either two things. Either you put him in a fight against somebody like Israel Adesanya, where you can sure. boost their profile. And I don't, I don't really. And this is no, no. I'm not throwing any shade to Jared Cannonier. I'm just calling things how I see it. I don't really see the it factor yes. in Jared Cannonier, at least not yet, right? Um, and then you're putting Anderson Silva against that. He should be either in two type of fights, either again like a young prospect like uh, Israel Adesanya, or maybe like a Bitor Belfort. Obviously, he's now at one, but like somebody, an- another old dog that has a big name, and all of a sudden that card feels like it has like a really good coming event. Anderson Silva versus uh, Jared Cannonier doesn't feel like a co-main event to me. Yeah. Um, it's just a weird fight to, to book him in. I, I don't know what else I can say about that. It's a diminishing returns thing because yeah. after losing to Adesanya, and I think that even that Derek Brunson fight, it wasn't the greatest showing. He won it, it as his only win, I think, in the last six, six like legit win. I guess the, Nate, the Nick Diaz fight um, was overturned. But yeah. the, the last legit win he's had in like six years or seven years, it's ridiculously long time. But it's just diminishing returns because each yeah. time he comes back, Bit, like, I read Brad Okamoto's piece about uh, there should be a story to his fights at this point because what else are we doing? There should be some kind of hook as to why you're watching this fight. I can't find the hook on this yeah. one either. I, 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 when they first made it, I was like, what are they trying to do? Is this a fight to get him correct again, to get him a win, and then launch him towards something? Was there a plan in place? Because I really don't understand what a win against Jared Cannonier really does for him at this mm-hmm. point. Um, and he's so out of touch so drastically out of touch. Anderson when Silva. Anderson Silva, when he's talking about Conor McGregor, I feel like it's we're in two different orbits now. Like, there's the collective idea of what's going on in MMA, and then there's Anderson Silva's world where he's like, this is a super, super, super fight. And I'm like, a super, super, super fight? Like, this fight is... Nobody wants that fight. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> nobody wants that fight at this point. It seems I, to me like we, he's fighting these guys. Like, he knows he's past it. And so he's fighting these guys almost as, like, a charity to the fans. That's what like it's, it seems like. It's like. an exhibition... And we're just lucky to watch he's it. Got some, he's dialed into some self-importance that is just not the reality of our yeah. times. It's like, I get it. The guy was a GOAT. I mean, he still is. I think if you look back, it's hard to not call him maybe the GOAT right there with John, like a couple of guys. Yeah. But I'm like, at this point in time, given where you know all the checkered stuff that has happened to him over the last bunch of years and being like 40-something years old, I'm like, I think he values his position more than uh, the fans do at this point. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's that's true as well. And I, this this feels like if you were playing like the UFC game, you just pick like random characters, and then that's the kind of that's fight right. that shows up. Yeah, um, like it really game. has no story to it. Uh, we'll see. But to your point, something that you mentioned interesting. It, it, he feels like he's doing just exhibition matches, just you know, just to, for the fans, like as a charity uh, thing. <laughs> but I feel like that works in in certain matches. For example, Israel Adesanya was down to go technique for technique and compete with him in that level. That's a and, good point. and that was yeah. fine. Yeah. I don't feel like Jared Cannonier is that type of guy. Jared Cannonier is gonna be like, I'm gonna use my athletic power, my speed yeah. to do that. And man, that's just not the type and of matchup that I want to see. Like a, a three-round victory. If if Jared Cannonier just kind of you know, your, your basic, uh, you know, bring the lunch pail and beats him across three rounds. What does that do for anybody? Yeah. That's the problem. I like I like when there's a future to a fight. Like, there's some kind of springboard or something's happening there. I just don't know what it does for If he goes in there and knocks Anderson Silva out, I think that boosts his profile a little bit. But if he just grinds out a victory, I'm like, and also, that's like, expected, Israel right? Israel has, has, I think, I'm not making anything up here, has a flair for the dramatic. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, he looks and acts a certain way. He's got a certain kind of swag. He was willing to put himself at risk. Yeah. yeah. But also, like, Jared Cannonier, I remember this <laughs> distinctly. I had him on my radio show, and he was that. asking for uh, pizza recommendations when he this. fought in New York. <laughs> so a buddy of mine has lived in New York City since 1998, and he gave him, like, this list of, like, only yeah. a New Yorker would know. And then Jared went and got a slice in Times Square. It's sort of like it's sort of like that's kind of who he is. The best place on earth. He wins the fight. Don't get me right. wrong. I, mean, I expect him to beat yeah. Anderson yeah. Silva here probably pretty handily. But he does it, and I don't say this pejoratively. He's just kind of a relatively ordinary right. guy. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it takes away from a narrative that with this larger significance to things yeah. that would ordinarily be there. He's not going to be able to use Anderson Silva as a catapult anywhere. That's the yeah. thing that's weird, right? Like, you just if it's a guy who has, he's kind of, you know, the, the radar's beeping on him as he's approaching, like Israel Adesanya, it makes it a different kind of s- setup. That one made sense on that level, but this one, 
I just don't see it. Yeah. I, I guess what you want to maybe see is the, it's the same thing as every time you're like, well, maybe we'll see some vintage flashback of the old Anderson Silva in there and we'll get, we'll get nostalgic about it. But honestly, I don't know beyond that emotionally. That's kind of the, the root. That's the end of it. You know? Yeah. This is, this is a weird matchup. Uh, well, let me ask. Let me ask this yeah. this way: What can Cannoneer reasonably get from this? Because let's, let's say, look, if it goes there, it's like a three round split. Yeah. Probably not much. Yeah. If he goes there, and just bodies him in like a round. Yeah, there might be something yeah, to that. Actually, is best. I, I think maybe we'll have to wait and see how the fight actually feels. But I feel like if that does happen, the storyline would more be like, "Wow, this is sad." You know, watching Anderson Silva in this situation rather than, wow, look at Jared Cannonier, look at what he just achieved. Again, we'll have to see how the fight plays out. Maybe it's very competitive and he actually pulls off the win and you go, wow, Jared Cannonier is super legit, right? Um, but it just, it just, it, it's just not set up to feel that way. I yeah. feel like in this situation, it's either Anderson Silva looks great or Anderson Silva is going to look really and, bad. And you get the feeling Anderson Silva thinks he's one win away from being able to call any shot he wants in yes. the world, which is the most bizarre of it all. So if he wins, you feel like he's going to revert back to the way he used to be where he's like, I want this guy, and that's going to become a public thing, which is just even beyond awkward at that yeah. point. Yeah, he, If he knocks out Jared Cannonier. The I want to fight McGregor talk is yes, going to go into exactly. orbit, at least from him anyway. I don't know that he'll be able to convince the masses. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll go start this way, work the way, this way forward. Any other fight on the card worth or at least capture your attention in some capacity or another? Oh, I mean, you know, Volkanovski, like that, that right. kid has been, you know, I, every time I see him, I'm more impressed. And, you know, if you talk to him, he's a very downer, the for, former rugby player. I think he's... You know, he's got a lot of unpacked star potential, I think. he's. I think he's got more charisma probably yes. than we realize. So yes. I'm like, I'm really anxious to see how he handles the biggest test of his career. Because this is, that's the perfect setup for a fight, right? A guy yeah. who's um, has, uh, you know, in Jose Alda, who's all of a sudden back. He looks a little bit more like himself. And now he, he has to go through this crossroads with this guy who's coming up. Let me ask you this. Actually, I'll ask both yeah. of you this one. A lot of people complained about the matchmaking in this one, where they're like, why are they matching up Jose against this guy like uh, Alexander Volkanovsky? Whatever happened between Dustin and Max, Max is still the featherweight champion. Yeah. And if Jose wins again, yo, he's the consensus right. number one contender. He's already not just lost twice. He's been stopped twice. Why would the UFC book him against a guy who would be a fresh matchup for Max Holloway? What do we make of this? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I thought when this was booked, it was, it was poor matchmaking. I think Jose Aldo, as long as he remains at featherweight, he's going to be a cancer to that division because he, he is, the outside of Max Holloway, he's the best. Period. I mean, he's been destroying everybody. Um, and, I mean, uh, Volkanovski has a solid chance. I'm not going to say he's going to go in there and get smoked, but it's still pretty risky because yeah. you got a nice contender. You got somebody that can offer a nice nice questions into a Max Holloway matchup because he has inverse somebody like uh, Volkanovski. And all of a sudden, you're putting him against somebody that's a very risky fight and he could potentially lose. So. Yeah. It's, I, I don't really get the matchmaking in this one. It could be a little bit of matchmakers reading the tea leaves a little bit, looking back at the Jeremy Stevens fight with Aldo or maybe Moicano, where both guys started off a lot stronger than it ended up. Obviously, Aldo showed the guts in uh, his vintage form by coming back and winning yeah. those, basically looking great in the end. Maybe they look at this as like a little kick of the ice flow. All right, we're going to send him on his way by putting Volkanovski in there. You know what I mean? There might be a little bit of that. Do you like Volkanovski to win? I do actually. I just think the kid is. I think that you, he's like, been, you were talking about Andrade's he's, he's, momentum. He's How like about this, his? right? Yeah. He's on an upward trajectory, and yeah. I think that he's probably going to be the best form he'll ever be in this fight. I would be surprised if he came out and he looked sluggish or anything like that. Obviously, he's hungry. This is, you know, I think he's going into enemy territory. He knows that. I think that the setup for him is probably um, a big deal, and he's. Pro I, I feel like you're going to see the best version of him. Yeah. Maybe I'm underestimating Volkanovski, but. I feel like Aldo has already received that look. And, you know, shouts out to uh, Alexander Lee who made a, a point of this on the A-side live chat. Um, Aldo beat a prime um, Chad Mendes twice. And I don't know if yeah. prime Chad Mendes is, is... I don't know if Volkanovski is as good as prime Chad Mendes. I mean, he already got that look of facing a really, really great wrestler that puts on a lot of pressure. And that also has really good striking. So... It's a tough matchup for him. Yes, I also know that that was also a prime Jose Aldo. He's a little past it now. Um, <clears throat> but it's a very tough matchup. I, I have Jose Aldo. He does get hit, though, Aldo. So it's like I, I can imagine a scenario where he just takes one early and it's just... Yeah, you know, and the thing is, people are like, oh, his chin is gone. His chin is not gone, it's not, but yeah. it's not what it was. And against a guy like Volkanovski, who, by the way, is a it's volume attacker. It's susceptible. Like, he leaves it out there yeah. a lot more. Well, now. he has yet to get, like, knocked out. He's been hurt, but he hasn't been, like, knocked out cold. Max Holloway put a beating on him. I mean, you're right. He wasn't... He wasn't unconscious, but 
Yeah. Those were some. I mean, he took yeah, the life he, from he, that he took guy. A lot, yeah. Um, but I mean, look, look how he's looked since. So. Yeah, no, he's looked yeah. good. Uh, all right. So, but what about you? Any other fight on this card capturing your imagination for one reason or another? You know what? Um, I'm going to go way down the line and say Bech Cohea versus Irene Aldana. That wow, fight, that's that a good fight has been booked like five times. I don't know if you guys know that. <laughs> Is that the Habib I knew it had been versus Tony of, of the, the women's <laughs> band yeah. division? Yes. Uh, that fight has been booked, I think, like already like four times, something yeah. ridiculous, and always something happens at either end. And, uh, you know, knock on wood, finally it's happening. And I'm curious to I'm, see how it looks. I'm here for the Betch Go Ahead stare downs. Yeah. Those are always the best. Those are, those are fun. <laughs> she, was, she, she, has, so she has, you know, talk about charisma. She's got a little bit of it too, you know, being like, yeah, the MMA world missed me. Yeah, yeah, yeah They yeah. needed me and things like that. And, and it's funny, like, it, all the fans are like, no, who is she? But then that was like the most replied uh, tweet or yeah. whatnot, you know? It's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's a, she's a bit of a troll artist. She's got, as a, well. she's got a heel element to her for sure. All right, so how about this one? I'll pick the uh, the sad story here. Clay Guida going up against BJ Penn. <laughs> so we had to go there. BJ Penn, by the way, a lot of, not a lot of people are talking. I thought about it was this. only happy things here. Yeah, <laughs> have, you seen my, have you seen my face? <laughs> um, nothing happy about it. But the point being is, a lot of people have said, you know, what is the UFC doing with BJ Penn? Remember, BJ Penn is still living with these. Um, they are reported uh, and documented, but they are still allegations about. You know, marital abuse and and uh, uh, drug use. And again, how much of that is true, how much of it is not, I don't really know. But certainly there's a cloud hanging over him, Danny. What is the UFC going to do with BJ if he wins? What are they going to do with him if he loses? I, I hope they stop giving him fights. And One way or the other? Yeah, one way or the other. I think BJ Penn should have retired years ago. I mean, he. I think after that second, second loss of Frankie yeah. Edgar, right, when he dropped to 145, I think we should have been done there. But... You know, he he obviously kept fighting, and, and here we are. And you just hear these reports. Again, they're, you know, reports, accusations, but, like, you know, um, it was his ex-wife, right, that uh, said, you know, he uses camps to stay sober, and, and that's very worrisome. And uh, we know, for example, Tony Ferguson had a, a bit of some, uh, you know, mental mental issues, and the UFC had to step in, and he said something like, I'm working with the UFC to solve this out. Yeah. I, hope, I hope that the UFC does the same with BJ Penn. I, I, again, these are just accusations, but you look at his age, you look at... You know, he hasn't won a fight in almost a decade now, is nine years. Um, yeah. That I hope the UFC, you know, steps in there and be like, BJ, you know, let's figure this thing out. Like, what do you want to do? Because um, I certainly don't want to see him fighting. I'm, I'm going to watch just because it's on the card. And look, at the end of the day, you kind of do want to see what happens, right? Um, but, you know, as a fan, I'm a fan of BJ Penn. I don't want to see him continue fighting. I mean, you know, back in the day when Dana still did his scrums, you know, uh, at fight weeks and things like that, I remember... This is clear as day. He was talking about BJ Penn being one of those guys. He's like, he just doesn't know what to do with himself if he's not fighting. Yeah. He's not in a training camp. He's, you know, you fear that he's going to get up to no good. He's going to start doing stuff that he shouldn't be. Things like that. Like he was talking about a friend. You know, Dana would slip into that a little bit. Um, and it's funny to see. Not it's funny in the in the weird sense to see the time play out. And basically, we're at the same spot. Well, what he was saying years and years ago. And I think that that really is the case. You know, I think that you just look at it and. I don't think he knows what to do outside of fighting. And unfortunately, his name is intact. Like, we know who BJ Penn is. You know, what we remember him it will always remain there. But where, where he's at right now in life is just very, very difficult. And it's yeah. weird because it's a fight game. You don't want to see guys that you kind of idolized for fan, like fans idolized, yeah. take too many beatings. It's just, it seems cruel at some point. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's also scary. I mean, recently we've seen his generation. There's been yeah. a few articles that have come out. Vanderly Silva has opened up about oh, yeah. uh, CTE. Uh, Babalu Sobral yeah, was the recent one. Uh, we also know about Matt Hughes as well. Look, you know, he is of that generation. And, he, you know, he, he he did so well in his career that he never yeah. really took that punishment. He never was never knocked out, like, multiple times or anything like that. But nonetheless, you know, we know how brutal this sport can be. And, man, I, I don't want to see him in one of those it's headlines crazy down the too, line. because... Clay Guida is still a capable yeah. fighter who's a veteran. He's been around. He's going to know how to, you know, handle himself in a fight. We've already seen him against Dennis Seaver, who was basically an older guy on the way out of the UFC, and he couldn't beat Seaver. And then they put him against Hall, who's a BJJ guy who wasn't really, like, the biggest threat to, like, pound his face with his fist. And that fight went the way that... I'm just, like, I'm not sure what we should be looking for in this fight. An exit. That's what it is. Yeah, but I, I feel like we've been at this exit a few times. So yeah. I hope if, the, if it goes the way... We fear, I hope that we really, that he does go through that exit door. And that's uh, any thoughts about how it will do on pay-per-view? Uh, there are some reports, Jeremy Botter over at his new project, Wizard, had said that UFC 230, which one, six? Yeah. Was it? Did 109,000, 110,000. There's a lot of different ways to evaluate the success or lack thereof. There's a thread by John Nash. I encourage everyone to yeah, look at it. I retweeted that. it. Um, 
This one's probably going to do real bad, if yeah. I'm guessing. I would say so. USC 236 had way more intrigue than yeah. this card. Um, and it was domestic. Yes, and it was domestic. domestic. That's yep. the big issue, right? Yeah. Because even UFC, some of those UFCs, like the Aldo one, or was it UFC 142? I don't think it did very good numbers against Chad Mendez. Yep. UFC, even UFC 134, which was their return. I don't remember doing gangbusters. So my thing, I, I think that you're right. It, ha, it's, it seems doomed to be one of their uh, one of their low ones. Yeah, I'm gonna go out there and say fifty thousand. Yeah, I think it's about right. Something like yeah. that. Even that, <laughs> even that and that, that used to be just. I mean, fifty thousand was just a core. Like it started there, right? It used to be yeah. that was there's fifty thousand no matter what. So I don't know. Uh, so this is not the newest news, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it. I don't want to spend forever on it, but I do want to talk about it because it relates to this pay per view news. So Brock Lesnar tells UFC he's not going to compete anymore, although that's not quite true from what Dave Meltzer's reporting. Apparently what Dave Meltzer says is that Brock wanted a flat fee of a certain number, and UFC said no, so he said, mm. see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. And so they're going to go with DC versus Stipe, too. Um, the big takeaway from this story, when you evaluate everything, is what? What's the, what's the number one lesson? That the UFC should maybe not be as public about a kind of dream fight or a novelty fight in such a way because what basically happens is like, hey, guys, look, there's a Maserati that we're going to put you in. You get to ride around in Maserati, and they're like, nope, you're going in the Elantra. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what it feels like in the end because they, they dangled the, the, the good thing first, and then you get the second thing. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel like that's the buzzkill feeling of that is what it strikes me immediately. If you get past that and you think of it from a, an insider standpoint where you're basically like, you know, this, this is a fun, it's a good fight, right? Like, you're like, Cormier, he knocked, he knocked out Miocic, but, you know, he caught him too. And you're like, I don't think you saw the best Miocic. I'm sure that they, they do it again. It maybe has a whole different uh, outcome. There's still tons of doubt over that fight. And it, it, obviously, Miocic holding the record um, for most defenses and all that probably deserves. I know that we've talked about all this stuff a million times. He pr you can make the case he deserves to be there again, and I feel like that was probably their next fight. The other thing was, though, is the domino effect, because they could if they if they're not waiting around for Brock Lesnar, if they're, and I know that there was like this back surgery for Cormier and all this that would complicate it, but if they're not waiting around for Lesnar, John Jones was there. I mean, he's fighting these other guys. They could have made that fight and been promoting that for July. You know yeah. what I mean? Or something like that. But because we were waiting on Brock and we're, you know, we were fixated on this, a lot of other things were altered. Is yeah. it good or bad that Brock's not in the mix? I think it's for bad. You, for you. Well, for me, well, I, th I think it, it is bad because I, I did, I wanted to see that fight. I wanted to see DC, you know, get a big payday and, and walk away, you know, with a big fight. Um, but man, I think this this speaks to like how the UFC is is, is handling business now because I wonder how many big fights we're gonna get because we saw Conor McGregor you know trying to make a comeback and all of a sudden that's been halted. GSP retired, wanting to fight again, yeah. uh, and now Brock Lesnar is doing the same thing. You know, with with that flat fee that they're getting from ESPN, they don't have that incentive as big of like putting on these these big massive fights, and that's gonna hurt the sport. Let, let, me, let me let me push against that for just a second because yeah. I had someone bring this up to me, and I hadn't thought of it this way, but it's worth considering. I have made that argument, and I do think in general it is true yeah. time to time. However, ESPN has got to be saying, right, if you don't want to bend at every interval, you don't have to. Exactly. But at some point, we want to see Connor on this right? platform. Yeah. At some point, we want to see Brock or so somebody. At some, point, you know? at some point, they do have to bring a big star through this portal, do they not? 100%. Okay. Yes. I mean, they, they, have, they have an obligation to you know, bring in uh, subscriptions and, and num big numbers to ESPN+. But... I would say, you know, that incentive is is a lot lower now because it's not strictly hurting their pockets, you know, whereas they had to put on big fights mm -hmm. because that was exactly how they would make uh, revenue. Um, so, yeah, there is some truth to that, but I, I think, you know, it, it's nice to get that upfront payment, right? Um, and I think Curtis Blades put it put a tweet out that I think encapsulated everything pretty well. It's like, F you, Brock Lesnar, yeah. uh, you know, holding out the division. But I think that goes a long way to the UFC as well. Like, look, you, you just kept waiting for this guy and kept dangling this this fight, and now we're not getting it. And it's a huge bus kill. You think Brock's I, really gone? I don't think Brock's oh, really I, gone. No. I mean, especially yeah. if the Meltzer thing is correct, which yeah. Meltzer's yeah. usually pretty good about keeping yeah. zero to the low. UFC lowballing somebody doesn't right. sound like exactly. But I'm like, the guy obviously does this a lot. He does some version of this kind of leveraging game and take it or leave it. And then he goes and makes the money and then he'll, he'll, he'll I think he resurfaces again. Yeah, also yeah. hashtag MMA retirements. Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. You know, I had a thought about Brock I wanted to share. I want to see what you guys thought about it because I uh, obviously was out for a variety of reasons when uh, the whole thing went down. And people were asking, like, what is Brock's legacy? Let's assume that he's done. I don't think he is, but let's just say that he is. Like, what would it be? To me, Brock has been like a mirror 
to MMA to let you really see what MMA is really about in certain capacities mm -hmm. at every interval. So he came in on this boom period, and you can you can read into the boom period of MMA through Lesnar, and that there was a pro wrestling crossover audience, yeah. and how big pay per view was at the time, um, and how important it was to be a big, strong athlete at heavyweight at that time. That's not necessarily the case anymore, but it was then. And then the diverticulitis thing—I don't think there's any real analog for. But um, his return at UFC 200 and how it didn't work because of the USADA era. <laughs> And in <laughs> every point. interval through his career, you can understand MMA better by watching how MMA was affected by him. Yeah. Uh, for better or for worse, by the way. Yeah, true. Do so you, uh, you guys agree with that? Or I agree. I've yeah. never thought of that, but that's actually very true. He has literally been uh, right there for all of these things, he's, right? He's that, he's that rooster on the top of the <laughs> yeah, barn yeah, yeah. by the weather vane, you know? Yeah. yeah, and it's also because he hasn't been consistently fighting. Right. So it's not like we saw, you know, progressively things change. No, he's literally stepped in at different Yeah, areas. he comes in at these big yeah, yeah, yeah. moments and so that you can see the change moment yeah. to moment. I wonder if he's going to come in the, the ESPN era. That's, yeah. That's the next one. And again, it would yeah. tell you a lot about the growth and change and everything else yeah. about MMA. It's kind of funny in that regard. Uh, let's talk a little Bellator. We haven't talked Bellator in a while. I feel like we got to. <laughs> it's Bellator 221 this weekend. It's an interesting weekend for Bellator, Danny. It is. For two different reasons. Let's start with the tournament. One, there's the tournament. Okay. Yep. Douglas Lima taking on MVP. Mm -hmm. Has this tournament petered out a little bit? What do you mean exactly? So Douglas Lima, I think, fought, what, eight months ago? Yeah. For the mm -hmm. first time? He's facing MVP. Maybe folks don't think it's that competitive because they really like Douglas Lima. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't really know Douglas Lima. Maybe it's a lot of factors. I'm not here poo-pooing the tournament. I think the tournament is great. I'm not poo-pooing the fight. I think the fight is great, especially it's a tournament. Like, yeah. the guys got to where they got. I just, I don't see a lot of chatter about it. I, I think this card has, has flown a little bit under the radar, um, you know, but it's also there's so much going on in the, in the world of MMA right now that, you know, it's hard to stand out, but... Dude, this, this is a great tournament. This is something that I'm really excited about because fans for the longest time were complaining and crying about how MVP wasn't getting anybody legit, how they want to see him get challenged. <laughs> well, you got the chance now. We got the chance with Paul Daly, but I, I feel like that didn't really scratch the itch no. too well. Um, and all of a sudden, Douglas Lima, you know he's going to put it on MVP. So at this point, MVP, he's, what, 32 years old? You know, uh, 14 fights into his MMA career. There's yeah. no more catering. There's no more prospect building yeah. this is it either you're legit or you're not and we're gonna find out on saturday if, if he's that guy and i feel like you can do kind of do the same thing on, on yeah, some you're, other fights. You're, what you're doing is you're selling me the merit of the tournament i yeah. don't need the merit sold to me i'm asking about to what degree has it maintained visibility by virtue of its own strengths i, I think it's i think there's an argument that has dwindled down a little I, bit i'm I mean, convinced you're convinced yeah. he's convinced you don't have to convince me you know what i mean yeah I mean, there is some some interest loss just because how long it's it's taken to, to it's play out. It's always a problem. It always um, is a problem. Yeah, and it know? doesn't help also the champion, Roy McDonald, with those comments that right. you know came out. Uh, that also, you know, you want to see a fired-up Roy rather than like, hey, you know, I don't know if I have it in me anymore. Um, so, yeah. I think it has petered out. Part of it is Douglas Lima never seems to attract, for whatever reason, uh, a diehard's critical eye. We just don't, like, make him an event. We don't circle him. I don't know why, why it is, honestly. If you watch him fight... He's so good. He is so good. And he's literally like an assassin, the way he approaches it. I'm, I, I find him fascinating in that sense. But for whatever reason, he has not translated. And so he's been, you know, quiet as quiet as usual. I think the bigger issue was that daily MVP fight. Because yeah. I was there, and that building, like, sagged and died by the second round. It was round. not a star-making It was not. And, I mean, I think that for some reason that just— It was like, you know, watching yeah. the, the flowers in the garden wilt and die, like, all, all at once. And I, I, for whatever reason, this has carried over. I've Not many people are talking about this. If MVP had gone in there and just smoked Paul Daly, I feel like there would have been a lot more chatter about this. But yeah. he, just, I, he just didn't do it. All right. Know? Also, give it some time, because right now we have this fight. It could be very exciting. It could be a good fight. And then in June, we have, you know, Gracie McDonald. So things yes. could, could turn. All that yeah. but what about this? That, that NYC card has turned it's, out to be yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking forward to that being here. I, I just, I'm not, again, I'm, I'm sold on the tournament. I love it. I love the idea of the tournament. I think the fights, uh, not, not all of them have gone that great, but the people who are there who should be there, um, I just don't, I'm looking around and I'm yeah. like, is it because I've been out? Like, I don't see people chatting about it too much. That takes us, though, to the main event. Now, this one actually has captured a lot of attention. It's a champ-champ fight, if you think about it, yeah. right? If I'm not yeah. mistaken. That is. Um, although, it's in a weird in a weird way, 
But it's a grudge match, man. <laughs> That's Whoa. what's fun, right? Yo, if you have followed the Pitbull brothers at all, Patricio Pitbull and whoever runs his Twitter account has been hammering Mike Chandler <laughs> for years. Now, Mike has fought his brother, I believe, twice. Yeah. Um, it feels like they fought like 30 times. Uh, it feels yeah. like they yeah. have... He's always going against a Pitbull. Dude, it's yeah. the Hatfields and the McCoys, <laughs> man. It is a show. Do you like how... I, I got to tell you, I love how angry it is. Sure. I love... It's a little bit more one-sided than it is mutual, but the fact that Chandler has the wins and Patricio has the animosity, it makes for an interesting tension. You just start with the fact that a partition is raised, right? Like, the, they couldn't have faced each other, and that's well, that was one of the reasons uh, when he's fighting Patricky and he's knocking Patricky out in St. Louis. Yeah. And you know the other guy's barking at him. You know, you're like, well, you guys can't fight. But here, you get past the partition, and you realize that there's a revenge factor, right? Like, this one guy wants to avenge his brother against this guy who... You know, took a soul and put it in a jar on his <laughs> bookcase. You know, for a while, and I'm like, yeah. to me, I love those. Um, I love those setups. You know, the, a, 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 an organic feel of bad blood always translates to a good fight. I feel like you yeah. know, and, and Michael Chandler. Let's play this too. Like these are two of the first Bellator stars. I think they're guys who are Bellator through and through. They're the guys that have been there yeah. the whole way. Yep. And there's an element too that you know Chandler should win, right? Like Chandler is who he is. But he ever so often takes his foot off the gas and loses this kind of fight. So, you know, we've seen it with, uh, going back to the Will Brooks series. You know, yeah. I, I, people thought that he was going to smoke Will Brooks. He didn't. And then, you know, the, the, Brent, the Brent Primus fight. So I think that element of doubt plays over just a little bit too. And that adds something for me. Yeah. I think the b- bad blood is, is what's really capturing my attention here. I, I have this clear picture of like... Um, when when uh, Chandler knocked out uh, Patricky, and then you just you just see Patricio on the cage just yelling at him, and they're just going back and forth. I mean, he knocked out his brother in front of him. You know, I was there and for then, that fight in St. And Louis. then got on the cage and hectored him and heckled him, and then in media interviews called himself a dog owner. Yeah, like whoa, <laughs> this is super intense, and I'm looking forward to it. And like you said, these are two Bellator OGs, and it's always nice saying yeah. that because it feels like sometimes. The big fights that Bellator is able to put on is because of names from some other organizations. Right. This is this is 100% Bellator. And, you know, it's nice to see, you know, the Bellator brand out there. Also, it's kind of interesting that both UFC and Bellator, within a couple of months of each other, are having a featherweight go, their featherweight champ yeah. go up against yeah. their uh, lightweight champ. Um, I, I suspect, though, Max was a really big featherweight. Mm-hmm. Patricio is not a really big no. featherweight. He's not, he's not by any means a, 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 a small one. But he's, he's far from big, he's, and Chandler is an enormous. He's fueled like the Count of Monte Cristo. It's all revenge and taking blood, right? Like, it doesn't matter the size of him. I yeah, think yeah. he just wants to go exact revenge. Let me ask you about one aspect. I had Michael Chandler on uh, the MMA Hour on Monday, and I asked him about it because it's something that's been really sticking out to me. Patricio has been out there just absolutely beating the drum that Michael Chandler's a PED user. Now, to our knowledge, that is not true. Um and I asked him about it explicitly. He said it's absolutely not true. You asked fact, Chandler about it? Uh-huh. Okay. I asked him, is there any merit to it? Because a lot of media will be like, how do you feel right. about it? No, no, is it true? Is it true or is it not true? And I'll, cause I have to rely on his answers. Of course. Um, I don't suspect it, but uh, I had to ask him. He denies it. And then I asked him a different question, which was, do you feel like your reputation has been stained by a guy just getting out there and saying these kinds of things? And you not really have it be, all you could say is no. It's like, it's like how does it feel to beat your wife? <laughs> right. But I, but I didn't beat my wife. Yeah, how does it feel wife beat? You know what I mean? Like, yes. what is, how do we feel about fighters accusing each other of things like this? And then how, how do you cover it when it is essentially kind of baseless? So if in the end it came out that Chandler was cheating or he was doing PDs, I guess you'd be looked back on this and be like, well, he was trying to tell us. We were ignoring him, but he was trying to tell us. But because it's unsubstantiated and it's just kind of out there, I always feel like this this kind of thing is a bad look. Yeah. Because you why you just that's I mean there are very little very few things that are below the belt, but this is one of them where you just start making stuff up. If yeah. that's what the case is, you can't just start making stuff up about somebody. I mean, it's just and people always say is like, oh well, Cody was saying stuff about TJ, yeah. and it all came true. Okay. A lot of it came true. But you could go down the list of people who've accused the other person and none of it has come true. Yeah. So I, I was True. I was battling with this. I was like, how are you supposed to cover this? You know, I don't really know. Yeah, it's weird because you kind of have to cover it just because it's part of tra- trash talk, right? Yeah. But at the same time, it is a bad look, not only for that fighter, but just for the sport in general, you know? Um, yeah, it's a weird one. I guess you just got to be careful in, in stating that, look, you know, these are claims. 
Chandler has never failed any drug test and kind of be very clear about that. I know. Here we are talking about Chandler with drug. <laughs> I mean, the guys, if, but for the fact that Patricio brings it up, we would probably never bring it's it up. It's crazy with Michael Chandler, right? Like he's a guy who's been nothing but loyal to Bellator. He sought opportunities. He goes and adopts you know, this this kid and has this whole, like, feel-good story going on, and yet we enter, we end up talking about him in a way that, uh, or speculation of something that's yeah. unsubstantiated. Yeah. It's really weird. The fight game is very strange in how it works. But it tells you, man, the power you have of microphone and just kind of repetition, if you just keep saying stuff, eventually it sticks. Or some, somebody hears it and they're like, hey, isn't that guy, didn't he get busted for PEDs? You know what I mean? It's just, it's one of those, those strange setups, but I don't like it. I don't like... Yeah. What's what's the where are the boundaries then? If somebody's just going to make up stuff about him, you know, I mean, guy. or if you're going to or if you're going to say something like that, well, where's the evidence? Like, true. If you're going to come out with these claims, like, oh. what, what do you have to support him <laughs> rather than you know? This is MMA. You don't need evidence to make true. claims. Um, <laughs> uh, that's a good point. Uh, all right, so then that takes us to something else. We discussed it briefly. So Chuck, let me go to you very quickly on this one. Connor Cowboy. So Cowboy wins, de- defeating Ally Quinta. By the way, I was looking at some of the Cowboys' wins. The ally quit to win stands up there as one of the oh, best. Oh, yeah. This was a fight designed for him to lose, I think. What do you mean? Well, I mean, the times he's faced guys like this, I feel like the guys who, you know, maybe are at the top or near it or for whatever reason, that's when he has dropped the ball. Like, he's uh, he beats the guys who are kind of usually the the um, the up-and-comers, like those the prospects. He's able to beat them. He's able to kind of, you know, discard some of the, the known names, like the Matt Browns, the guys who are the brawler. Like he's able to do that. Yep. But if there's a guy who just seems superior sometimes, he'll he'll fight down. I don't know why. He just doesn't show up in the moment. So this was it was telling for him to go beat Iaquinta. This was a big one. All right, so then it gets to this question of, like, should he face Connor? Let me get your temperature on this one. Do you like that fight? I, what I, Do you love that fight, I guess, actually, is a better question. So I love I love any idea that Conor McGregor would fight the, one of these guys. Like he's certainly one of them at this point. I feel like they they've had you know they've had multiple uh, moments where we've contemplated it. Going back to that what that big go big event or whatever that was back in the day, they've been kind of at it since then, and we've had many times where we've contemplated it. And I feel like at this point. Cowboy Cerrone couldn't have put himself in a better position to get it. And so at this point, I'm like, I hope it happens. I don't know if I would say I love it. I love it as much as if Gaethje fought, uh, you know, something like that. Like, there's there's a couple of fights they could put together. But, uh, yeah, I, I would like to see it. I just want to see I would like to stop flirting with the idea and actually book it. But at this point, I'm like, I don't know. Um, I don't even know what McGregor. Like, he, you hear Dana White, and he says he's negotiating. Oh, we're going to have something in the summer. That would make sense. That's what Cowboy wants. So, I hope for Cowboys' sake, and I think that that's a winnable fight also for Conor McGregor. I think it makes sense on that level. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. So let me, let me ask you this then, because yeah. we talked about it a little already. Given what we talked about with Brock, do you have concerns that they will not be able to make a Conor and Cowboy fight? In terms of ESPN, money, the plus thing, whole nine yards. Yeah, of course. I think it's very possible that it doesn't happen, but I'm not, I'm not too worried about you know, how the negotiations are going to go down because Conor McGregor is not the champion. The ball keeps rolling mm-hmm. with Habib defending his belt against Dustin Poirier against whoever else comes up. The issue with the Brock situation was that Brock w- Brock wanted to fight the champion. So yeah. all, the, all of a sudden, you you know, you got guys like Francis Ngannou, JDS, who are very deserving of, of, of fighting for that belt, waiting and having to take other fights that they probably shouldn't have if the champion would have been active, right? Yeah. Um, so that's mm-hmm. my issue with it. But look, this fight is not clogging anything up. So, you know, take your time to, you know, for, for whatever, how, however long it takes it takes to build, you know, do it. But I'm all, I'm all for Bud Weiser versus Proper yeah. 12. I'm all for it. I mean, back in the day when he was fighting Nate Diaz, uh, McGregor, it didn't make complete sense. Obviously, it was circumstance that put them together, and then it became the series, and off Connor went on as many digressions, you know. But I feel like this is a fight similar because Nate Diaz, to me, was like a, uh, you know, a- anti... Um, anti-man. He was uh, kind of joined forces with Connor at the right yeah. time, and they were actually kind of fighting the UFC together in this weird way. Um, I feel like Cerrone is kind of the opposite in that sense. He's more of like the company guy, mm-hmm. but he's similar in terms of his approach to the fight game, like the way he fights, the way he brings it every time, the way he kind of just no-nonsense is it. And I, I love that aspect. I love when guys are like that. You just want to see a guy yeah. go in there, doesn't matter what Connor says to him, Tries to rubble, you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. going to go out there and he's going to fight exactly the same. So I yeah. like that setup. And I, I also, I, something I mentioned in the MAR, something the UFC needs to get better at is, is cloning their stars. Like at this cloning? point. Cloning? Yeah. At this point, McGregor is, is, is you know, 
I mean, it's a, he's his own thing, but he's also like a platform for other fighters to boost their profile, like just like Nate Diaz or like Ronda Rousey did to Holly Holm, right? So you need to start matching him up in in, in fights where you know the the B side can get you know some benefit. Ah, uh, yes, it. yes. Uh, so just like Nurmagomedov, right? Exactly. Look at Nurmagomedov. Look, like he became all of a sudden yeah, a huge star up, just from that just from that rivalry with Conor McGregor. And you know Conor McGregor doesn't have that many fights left if he's gonna ever return. I mean, he might have like two or three. I don't see him having like a six fight. Uh, career, you know, at this point. So put him up against other guys that have characters that, you know, that you can potentially, you know, get out there and and, and, and put in big cards. Uh, let's make a bet. <laughs> if they make it one day, okay, actually, let me ask it this way. Make a prediction. Do they make it or not? Does the fight happen in this in the summer? I'm going to say it does. Wow. I'm going to say it does in I'm August. Gonna it does. I'm going to say it doesn't. Okay. Right. I'm going to bet against it. I mean, it. So not, 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 I'm betting it doesn't happen in the summer. Oh, okay. It could happen... Fallish. I think it happens. I could see it. Ha- I think it'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. The time frame you're right is like the slippery slope there. But you I gotta think wonder, it does he want to go before Habib in September or after? Right. And yeah. I, I part of me feels like he wants to go after. Hmm. You know? That's an interesting way of thinking about it too. Yeah. Yeah, he also has to see how that one plays out because if Dustin Poirier, you know, manages to get that title. Yeah, but he has a he already fought and beat Dustin. Like I don't think he Maybe he should. I don't know that he particularly fears that matchup in any particular. But but all of a sudden, like that's a you know he can he has more of a claim to get that fight than the Habib rematch. Right, right. That's true. Now that brings us to another lightweight that I want to discuss here. That's Tony Ferguson. Now there are some indications this week. Pardon me, gentlemen. I'm sorry. There is some. Uh, I just can I blow my nose on you? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm good. Man. Um, there are some indications this week that Tony Ferguson. Uh, I believe it was Brett Komodo who reported it. That uh, Tony Ferguson. We talked about it. He had changed management mm-hmm. groups. He was with. Um, paradigm, and now he's with Ballengee, and he met with UFC officials, and while nothing has been formally announced, it appears like things are very much moving in the right direction, Danny, for a comeback. Yep. Do you feel from the outside looking in that enough T's <coughs> have been crossed and I's have been dotted that you feel comfortable, and again, it's not our choice, but we're just observers wondering aloud. Do you feel comfortable with the idea of him returning to the cage, given what we know about the struggles he's been facing? I do. I do. Um, you know, there's a few signs out there that, one, he was, we know that he was working with the UFC to, you know, get the help that he needed. And two, um, his wife uh, dropped the restraining order that, that she had. Uh, and, you know, they're back together. So, you know, those are, those are all good signs. Mm-hmm. Also, like, I don't think he's going to take any fight, you know, any, any quick fight. It's going to be probably a nice buildup for his return. So, yeah, I'm, I think I'm comfortable with him uh, returning to the cage, and I'm sure he's going to get a bunch of tests in whatever commission he decides to uh, fight under, right? So, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with him returning. Yeah, you got to almost trust the system a little bit, yeah. trust the officials that are I mean, th- that's the only option. I that's mean, really what it is. Yeah. So you got to trust them that they're doing the right thing by him, and then you got to watch him. It's basically it's similar in a weird way to when Max Holloway was going to fight, obviously, and then showed those weird signs, and they had to call the fight off. Uh, yeah. Uh, which fight was that? Which fight? But anyways, you know what I'm talking about. That was before that was the first. The, uh, he was supposed to fight Ortega the yes, first time. That's so right. that's what Frankie said. So, it, but yeah. it, we had to see him. It was weird. It was weird to contemplate him fighting. And it, when it finally happened, and we saw him go through his fight week, you know, he's a little bit of an eccentric fellow, just like um, Ferguson. They have their, you know, their idiosyncrasies. They're very different kinds of guys. But uh, we saw Holloway go through his fight week, handle himself, and then look great in there. I think that that's Ferguson's blueprint. He has to just go through his fight week, be the be who he is. Look good in there, and then we'll put that aside. I think that it's going to take that sort of thing. Then you got to just trust the officials know what's going on better than we do. Here's the part that is hard about trusting the officials when they're letting guys like BJ Penn fight. You're like, you know, obviously BJ Penn, well, I don't know. Is that a guy that should be fighting right now? Like, there's a lot of questions. You're like, Jesus, man. Like, you know, it's a different question. Like, I don't, I'm I'm with you guys. I kind of feel like, for whatever reason, I feel soothed. And my concerns are okay. largely assuaged. I think also part of I think I think it's fair to compare that to the BJ situation, but it, there's also key differences there. Like BJ fight skill wise, you know he doesn't belong in there anymore. Like fight skills, right? So he, why is he, he, he fighting? Exactly, but Tony Ferguson, you know he's a killer, right? You know yeah. he he's his skill. No, but that's set not my point. My point is, if you're gonna let a guy so utterly unqualified at this point, BJ's a legend, mm-hmm. but he's not currently competing as a top tier lightweight. He's not even competing. I mean, he's far from that. You're gonna let a guy like that compete. Who else are you gonna let compete? Right. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and I, I, I get. I feel like um, two things give me uh, pause. One is that 
Tony is so much more um, visible than BJ at this mm -hmm. point. So if something went wrong with Tony, it would blow up much yeah. more. So that gives me, like, the, I think the UFC is aware of the optics of it. Right. And then two, you mentioned his wife has really, there was a video put out. Uh, do you guys ever watch Mixed Molly Whoppery? Mm, nope. Oh, man, you are missing out. It's a guy who sounds like, I don't know, like a Coney Island guy who sells hot dogs or something. I don't know. <laughs> but he's super smart. Or, uh, I'm assuming it's a he because that's the narrator's voice. He makes YouTube videos, yeah? But they're, but they're long form, and they happen after a story is almost over. And he made a point, and I thought it was absolutely true, which was, Tony's wife went out of her way to make sure that Tony's reputation was not sullied mm -hmm. in this mm -hmm. yep. by noting in her initial public statement that uh, he's a great father, a great husband, we're just working through exactly. things, and then to yep. your point, dropping it. So all of the response to Tony right. was, hey, it was almost like get well soon, man, yeah, yes. versus BJ, who everything has been secretive exactly. and quiet and you know behind the scenes. This has kind of been out in the open. So to me, it feels like, check if I'm wrong, a little more transparent. A, lot, yeah, a little bit more transparent. Oh, yeah. And I, it helps that he kind of came out publicly and said, hey, guys, I'm going to seek the help I need. Mm -hmm. If just doing one little thing, I mean, yeah. I haven't really heard much from BJ Penn. And it's almost like they're, they're sneaking him through these cards these days. And I'm like, uh, it's just an odd look. But it is, it is it's similar in a weird, you know, like in spirit. But it's, it's obviously a completely different setup for this. I agree with you. I think the scrutiny is so big on a guy like Ferguson. So they got to be right. Because yeah. the fights that he is in, at least the orbit of, are Dustin, oh, Habib, I know, Connor. You know what I mean? Like that's a lot of media. Those guys are going to do. Gaethje, right? G like, yeah, <laughs> which is yeah, he's he's not fighting in any prelims. Any thoughts about who he should fight? That's any? the problem with the lightweight division right now. It's just so clogged to that. There's like, still it no answer be, to this question. There, it could be Gaethje. <clears throat> I mean, I would to this hate. day, man. I mean, it won't happen now. Now there's no yeah. easy way to make it unless he somehow slips in there. Somebody gets hurt, whatever. Yeah, that'd be the weirdest thing for uh, Ferguson to finally get the fight with Nurmaga Madoff after somebody falls out and he goes in there. But that's one of those situations where I wanted to see that fight just because of the styles. I think he's got the weird unorthodox, um, it's sort of an almost intangibles that Nermaga, might give yeah. Nurmagomedov the, the trouble. I would still love to see that fight. Obviously, that's not happening. So you could take any of those other names and I'd be fine with it. But uh, I still want to see that one. Yeah. I think if I were Tony Ferguson, I'd just wait. I mean, Habib and Poirier are supposed to fight in September, right? Yeah. Uh, look, Poirier didn't show up for the Nate Diaz fight, right? He, he has some issues. We know That's Habib hasn't showed up to other fights as well. We know how crazy a sport is, you know, and we know how the UFC machine, they this, always have to keep rolling. So who knows? Sport, Either guy could fall out, and then next thing you know, he's fighting for the This sport is belt. so ridiculous that I think that that's how Ferguson and Nurmagomedov will fight. It was when yeah. we never saw it coming. All of a sudden, they'll be fighting. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Where yeah. he'll, fill in, he'll fill in. I know that's unpredictable, you but can't I can see that yeah, basically yeah. being the setup for those guys. All right, so that takes <laughs> us to the final topic before Under the Radar. PFL makes its debut on ESPN. Tonight, now, what's crazy about it is this is supposed to be PFL 12, I think. Mm. And in the press releases, they'll be calling it PFL 1. Because it's a new season, Luke. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> That's very confusing. Still makes it PFL 12. It just makes it season 2. But, um, okay. How do we feel about going on ESPN, Danny? Feel like it's going to make it? I, I think so. I think this is a great move for them. because ESPN... oh, no, no, It's a great. Yes. When the season's over. Are they in anywhere of a different place, really, when it comes to attracting a fan base? I think they will, man, because ESPN is it's a sports fans uh, platform, right? And sports fans are used to a certain order, a certain hierarchy, right? In soccer, we see it. Mm -hmm. In football, you know, we, we, we sports fans are accustomed to a certain rule set and, and a certain pattern where they can, you know, plan out and, and see see the route for their favorite team, in this case, favorite fighter. Uh, with the UFC, dude, the UFC, I, I work on this full time and I sometimes have a hard time following the sport, you know, because there's so much happening, so much to consume. With PFL, it's pretty straightforward. So I think if you're a sports fan and look, you're not like super into fighting, but like you find it entertaining, it, it's an easy thing to get into. Okay, this guy's fighting this guy. Uh, there's a point system and it's just easy to follow. So I think this is a perfect platform for them. I dig it and I hope it works. I really do because last the last season, um, I felt like it got... It did, it did what I wanted to do, right? Like, it got a couple of these guys who are um, recyclables who are able to get in there and win this. And there was the one guy in Utah. Uh, was Sean O'Connell, yeah, who, he, he by the way, is now a commentator exactly. for this season. So it, you XXL see how these things kind of pay forward. I, I was really interested to see if a lot of people would want to join the PFL after the last season because you do see these millionaires. You see these guys cash in the million-dollar check, yep. and it is prize fighting. 
It hasn't worked out exactly like that. They brought in a few names, but I feel like this visibility gives them a little bit more. I feel like it's a nice second step, obviously. I think it's on ESPN2, right? Yes, ESPN2. The Deportes and Plus. So it's like, I mean, but still, a very very big step for them. And um, the visibility, I think, might help it um, because there was a lot. it, It picked up steam last season when it got toward the finals. Yes, I felt like we were correct. talking about yeah. it then, but we were not talking about it during the season. Yeah, so. the regular season was very much... Um, sorry. Um, yeah, sorry. It was very much just filler. Yeah. And then you're right. And I thought it once up. it got to the playoffs, yeah. Yeah. then you're like, oh, okay, there's so something at least, going on. So at least here. this season, they're hitting the ground running with this, and uh, it'd, be, it'd be cool to see like what they're able to do with that. Here's what I'm, I'm also curious to see um, Kayla Harrison's star so, power. So, so let me, let me get to that. Now. So like, I disagree fundamentally with the idea that sports fans want to see a tournament. I don't think they would get in the way of a tournament. I think it depends, like anything else, on the nature of the tournament itself. What I do think is going to be a big test of the ESPN platform is dude, Kayla Harrison, if they can just find a bridge for her to walk over, is going to be a star. Yeah. It seems like one of the most obvious things ever. Other than, do they have a way to get her across? Because she's got everything they could possibly want. A cool story, an athletic background. <laughs> you know, she's uh, amazing to interview. Yeah. Like, you know, and obviously she's a ferocious competitor, like the whole nine. But can they find donks for her to fight? Can, can, can <laughs> well, they unearth them this time? Well, here's yeah. the funny part about it. I know who she's fighting, even with a substitute. Right. I don't know who no, Big Nog's fighting or Little Nog's fighting. Right. Um, but, she, but but Kayla Harrison, she's fighting Larissa Pacheco. Larissa Pacheco. Right, right. Like, I know that. I, yeah. I paid attention to that. To me, it's like they got to find names. The tournament sure. makes them, to your yeah. point. But it's about getting that. You're gonna kind have of thing. to brush off some people like the Sarah Kaufmans, who like are champions in other leagues, and even though he was fighting two weight classes, exactly. Up. Even though it's that, at least she's a name you're throwing into this mix. I feel like that they, they've got a right because who who Sarah Kaufman finds somebody named Morgan Fryer, I think, or Freer. I'm not even sure how she pronounces her name, but nobody's ever heard of this person. I feel like most of them are wood, woodwork figures, but I think that that's where you got to start. Yeah. yeah, you got to make them come. You know, if you're creating the division for Kayla Harrison, you got to those. You have to create all the contenders and everybody who's going to come to. Here's the one thing I'll say: I never thought NBC Sports cared about World Series of Fighting. I never thought they cared about the PFL. I do think that ESPN cares about. Yeah, MMA. I think so too. Yeah, and so that to me is a bit of a difference there. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Time now for our last segment before we do after the beat. Time now for Under the Radar, and there have been a bunch of stories. What's one story kind of floating around there in the ether we didn't talk about today? Kind of interesting, worth at least a mention. Start there, work our way forward. What do you got? All right, so two guys who we haven't heard from in a long time both signed fight projects. I knew you were going to do this one. Matt Wyman, my boy, who's been gone for a long time. Yeah, Hanson Wyman for, what, five years or something. The guy's basically a recluse who, you know, we, we found out about through the Tough Series and had some fights, but he's kind of a recluse, a very eccentric guy. He's returning to fights. Uh, Luis Pena, I believe it is. Yeah. Uh, maybe in South Carolina, I can't remember. Which That's part. right, Greenville. And then, uh, and also Gilbert Melendez, who was like, yep. hey, El Nino, it's been yep. since 2017. Yep. I, I kind of, you forget him. He's hiding in plain sight a lot of times with all his analytical work, but he's signed on for a fight. And uh, he's the guy he's fighting, uh, Arnold Allen, is. I've, I've had my eye on him because he's. He's good. He's very quiet, five and zero in the UFC. Yep. The only reason we're not talking about him is because he fought all of his fights in, in Europe. Europe, right? So it's it's. It's one of those weird do or die situations against a really tough dude. So those two guys, uh, it's good to see them like the old names cropping back up. What do you yeah, got, Dan? Sure. What's so, under the radar? Uh, Mark Ramundi, uh, our former colleague reporter at ESPN, that Aaron Pico switched training camps yeah, and he, yes. he's now training in Albuquerque under uh, Greg Jackson. Uh, that's pretty exciting news because like you you see a guy like Pico, you know, four and two, so so promising, but he's had already you know two major setbacks. Um, you want to see them kind of switch camps and, and, and get different looks and, and, and see, you know, how we can get the best out of him. And I, I feel like this is this is one of them. And I feel like over at, in Albuquerque, over at uh, Jackson Wings, they can do that. They can, yeah. they can, there's so many experienced guys because that's what he needs. We know he's skilled. He just needs that experience. And hopefully uh, they can. They those can, cats have to be excited to be taking yeah, a guy like that sure. in. You know, they love those types of projects. You know? And he, Aaron Pico just seems, you know, he's got that wrestling mentality where I'm just going to show up and, you know, work. And yes, coach, I'm going to put in the work and, and knowing how skilled those guys are, like, it's, it's pretty exciting. Um, I was going to do that one. I think the second one I would bring up is uh, it was a boxing fight. Did you guys watch the Canelo fight on DAZN? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't get a chance to see it. But I heard uh, DAZN was quite a platform. Dude, they royally effed that up. Did they? Yeah, here's the thing about it. If you watch Bellator on DAZN, you would be like, oh, that's more or less the Bellator experience to which I'm accustomed. Mm-hmm. Dude, they really? did a really bad job. Like, the, 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 the shooting of the fight from a camera position was fine but not good. They messed up 
Daniel Jacobs' intro. Yep. They ran the house music. And, and they had he had this, to go back? <laughs> he had to go back. They oh had to stop God. it and restart it. Now I'm going to have to and, go find And then it. when you watch the fight, you can't hear, the, there's no miking of the ring, so you can't really hear the punches land. Oh, man. That's the best part. And, and to make matters worse, I do like Brian Kenny and Sergio yeah. Mora. I've had Sergio Mora. I've actually had both in studio. Yeah. Um, they're great, but they were kind of, I think people are exaggerating how much they were uh, advocating on behalf of Canelo, but they kind they did, they did. They did a little bit. And um, so here's the funny part about it. Sergio Mora got criticized by Daniel Cormier on Twitter. And then Sergio Mora lashed out at him, which I thought was kind of interesting. Here's the only thing I wanted to bring up. It did 600,000 viewers domestically and 1.2 worldwide, which mm. they consider to be a success. I only bring that up because it doesn't sound like TV numbers, but they're giving us benchmarks for what they're looking yes. for. Keep that in mind. 600,000 yeah. domestic, 1.2 mil worldwide is what they got. They said they were very happy with that. So Wasn't Todd Grisham out there on the call? Was he doing prelims or something? Um, I don't know, yeah. but the main car, the main event right. was definitely Brian Kenny yeah. and Sergio Mora, yeah. and then and then uh, Chris Mannix. Oh yeah. Oh god! And then they had the after the like the uh, fight analysis, and it was who was the dude who got fired from ESPN for leaking info? Adnan Verk or what? Um, yeah. Something like that, right? Yes. The, all right. So he DAZN hired him, and he was interviewing yes. Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar Ray Leonard had on like bright white pants that was like blinding me to watch. <laughs> All right. And then in the back, the DJ was playing like terrible, uh, like Black Hole Sun remixes. <laughs> so goddamn loud, you could not hear what they were saying. You've convinced me to look this thing up. I'm going to have to go watch the whole thing now. DeZone has a lot of work to do for their boxing production. Again, Bellator I seems like to be like. show, you know? Bellator seems to be ready to rock, yeah. but uh, oof, that was rough. All right. We appreciate you guys tuning in. I believe we're back next week, but I got to see what everything is uh, happening. Hopefully by then I don't look like a mangled idiot who's been in a car wreck and I look like I'm ambulance chasing. Hey, that speaks to your your fortitude to show up here and uh, pull yeah, this one out. Sure. Good Mostly job. just I want bigger paychecks. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, but enjoy UFC 237. You've got all the coverage you'll need with uh, Guillermo Cruz, who is down there in Brazil. Yep. Enjoy Bellator 221. Jose Young's is at Bellator 221. Exactly. we got Chicago. folks on the ground there as well. So we got you covered right here at MMA Fighting. We appreciate you guys watching. For Chuck, for Danny, I'm Luke. Until next time, hands up, chin down, let them fly. This is the MMA Beat. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.